ML Nation, Episode 9. Consumers and consumption long-term is what creates the massive revenue that rewards those that can do it well so well. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I'm fired up to bring our special guest today, Lisa Grossman. Lisa, are you ready to make it happen? I'm ready to make it happen. Lisa Grossman began her business career working in a family-owned traditional business. In 1988, she was introduced to network marketing. Lisa had the good fortune to be part of a company that in the late 1980s and early 90s was a starting point for where some of the greatest network marketing professionals of today began their careers. As Lisa worked her way up through the compensation plan, she was working hand-in-hand with the best of the best. Today, Lisa is known throughout the industry as an elite professional. She and her business partner, Curtis Broom, are black diamonds with an international company and have an organization of more than 150000 worldwide, generating a seven-figure annual income. In early 2008, Lisa and Curtis co-founded Your Vision Partners, Incorporated. They together, they continue to consult for multiple companies on domestic and international expansion, product development and operations, as well as provide in-depth training for executives, top field leadership, and their teams on what it takes to be successful in network marketing. Lisa, I've just given ML Nation a brief intro, so please share more about your background and how you came across network marketing. Well, boy, you make it sound so good. We've just been kind of having fun. Network marketing, I sort of have had two phases to my career. I started, like many people do, Very traditionally, I would say, in uh, 19, I'm trying to think, um, 1988, I guess, was my first exposure. My phone rang, and it was my aunt who told me that she was had found her fortune. I was working traditional family business, and she was going to get rich, and she wanted to come over and show me, you know, what she had discovered. I said, of course, come on over. You know, she said she needed my help. And she came over and proceeded to, it looked like to me, take apart my sink and hook up a water filter to it. And I have to laugh. I mean, I remember thinking clearly, she's going to get rich becoming a plumber. I mean, I was flabbergasted. And she hooked up this water filter to my sink and she secured this promise for me very seriously. You have to promise me, Lisa, that for the next week, whatever you do involving water, you're going to only use this this filter, you know, when you make concentrated orange juice, you're going to use this water. When you give your pets water, you're going to only use water from this filter. Whatever you do, you know, only this water. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I promise. And she left and we did, as she asked. For the next week, we used only the water from this filter. And then she came back and, you know, asked us to compare. And sure enough, you know, there was a difference. The water tasted better when it came from the filter. The pets turned up their nose when you tried to give them the water that wasn't from the filter after a week of only using that. And I said, you know, I'll be happy to buy one. How much are they? And she said, $179. And I, and she, and she said, great. I said, you know, out of curiosity, how much money do you make when you sell one of these? And she said, you know, $59, but I can work myself up where I make as much as $120. And 
I was I was sitting there, you know, kind of wondering how all of this was going to lead to millions because I couldn't imagine that no matter how many sinks she ran around town and, and hooked this up for, you know, where that was going to lead to a great fortune. And I burst out laughing. And then I said, you know, how long do they last? And she said three years. And I was even more flabbergasted. And I said, well, you know, m- maybe I could buy two, <laughs> you know, trying to help her. And she said, you know, you should look at this as a business. And at this point, I was hysterically laughing. And she said, well, you just don't get it. You know, you need to watch the video. And she left me with a uh, Betamax tape, which will show you how many years ago this was. And I watched a very fascinating video talking all about the water industry, the bottled water industry specifically, and how it was made, you know, be very small today and only take up like one shelf in the grocery store. But someday it's going to be whole aisles and everybody's going to be drinking bottled water. Imagine that. And if you look at where we are today, it doesn't seem as ridiculous as it is back then. And here you had this alternative that was pennies on the dollar, yada, yada, yada. And it was a very compelling video, but I still didn't really make any kind of a connection. And I doubt that anybody else would have as to how this information and that process I had watched her go through was going to lead to a fortune. And she said, ah, you have to talk to somebody else. My, my, business partner and she put me on a three-way call and I was speaking with someone who proceeded to tell me that you know he had made a lot of money in real estate that had gone bust and now he was making $30,000 a month and my ears perked a bit quite a bit still didn't connect it but he said you have to go to the meeting I went to a meeting in Dallas Texas and there were about 300 people there an interesting room, a very eclectic crowd, one that I was not anxious to admit that I had attended. I sat in the back of the room. I, my body language indicated to anybody who was looking, I did not want to be there and I could not wait for it to be over. That meeting went on and on and on and people were drawing circles and all I wanted to do was get out of there. And finally, mercifully, it was over or so I thought. And as the people started standing up, I stood up looking for the exit only to be told, Lisa, you have to sit down. It's the best part is coming. And I'm like, there's more. (laughs) And a whole group of people went to the front of the room to line up to tell what I've now since learned, of course, were the testimonials. And I was like, for the love of God, can we ever get out of here? But what I didn't realize was that was, in fact, the best part of the meeting, because I started to listen to people tell stories of what was going on in their lives working within this company, which at this point I thought was a little nuts. But it wasn't the money that they were talking about, although they were making a lot. They were talking about a a type of freedom and how much fun they were having traveling and working with people. And I was intrigued because I certainly was making a good living, but it was in a family-owned business, and I felt very much a slave to it. So as I listened to more and more stories, I was kind of getting fascinated with the whole thing. And When it was finally over, I was kind of, you know, a little bit curious. So I went to the lobby after it was over to use the payphone to call my husband, which should give you an idea of how many years ago this was. And I called him and he said, how bad was it? And I said, Steve, it was so much worse than you could ever imagine except for one thing. And he said, what? I said, these people are dumber than we are. They're uglier than we are. And they're making more money, having a lot more fun than we are. And he said, you actually want to try this? I said, I think I do. And he said, well, as long as you don't tell anybody, I've got no objection that we know. <laughs> and as you'll come to, as you come to realize, learn about network marketing, that proved more difficult than I agreed to, than it was when I agreed to it. But um, that was sort of the beginning of what has been an amazing and incredible 
27 years or however long it's been, 28 years since. And I got involved uh, on a part-time basis. And I use the words part-time, Simon, very, very tongue-in-cheek because it was part-time and that I had not given up my regular business. But I was very serious about what I was doing. And I worked and I studied and I discovered very early on that I absolutely could not stand network marketing. I hated it. I'm, and I did everything you can imagine to do wrong. But I couldn't quit at that point because I don't like to admit that things have beaten me. So I had a great and nefarious master plan. I was going to get to the top and then I was going to quit because then nobody could say I quit because I couldn't do it. I could say that I quit because I didn't like it, which at that point was very much the truth. I didn't, I didn't just not like it. I couldn't stand it hmm. because I didn't understand it. Right. You know, I mean, and um, I learned over the next two years, I, I did everything wrong. You could do wrong. I did get the rank and advance in that company because that was my goal and mission. I think that I want very much like when you're in the brownies or the Girl Scouts, I wanted to get every merit badge you could get. And I made myself the issue. I, you know, did all the work and I positioned all the people and I built a paper empire that was more about title than it was about making money. Didn't make a lot, didn't lose a lot, sort of broke even in over a, you know, a year and a half or however long it was. But I got a massive education uh, about how the business model worked. And along the line, I began to really understand what network marketing was. And I fell madly in love with it. And the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Yeah, that's just such an awesome story, and there's so many lessons behind that. I think uh, the big biggest aha moment I got from your sharing, Lisa, is that you, know, you hear that facts tell a story sell, right? And a lot of distributors and listeners here, like they think more facts about the product, more facts about how the industry works, the company. Most of the time, that bores people, and people don't doesn't touch people's hearts. But what actually gets someone excited and motivated is, is like what happened to you, like listening to the stories, because people relate to stories. It's also the only place that people can be effective. And I don't want to go off your format, but, you know, if your listeners are listening, I think that this will help them. You know, when people are brand new to the business, you have about an hour really to deal with the fears that even if they don't realize they've got or they know they have them, but they sort of go away for that hour that they start to get excited. Then they're going to be dealing with them the minute they go back outside and they start to talk to people. Well, Nobody can learn everything there is to learn about the products in an hour, no matter how great a teacher you might be or no matter what kind of information packets you have to teach them. So you might as well not even bother teaching them anything about the product. Let them get their experience with the product because their love affair with the product, their passion for the product will take care of that. And that's part of their story. And there's no way that you could teach anybody everything about the comp plan in an hour well enough that they could present it on their own um, at the front of the room next week. So don't bother trying to get them to understand anything about the comp plan. Because if they go out and they share their passion and excitement for the product, people that they know, love, and care about will buy it at least as well, at least enough to try it, and they'll make a little bit of money doing that, which will create some excitement. The only thing a brand new person has that is going to enable them to get off to a good start that they're going to feel comfortable with telling is their, their story because it's their own. And they may not be a great storyteller initially, but nobody ever tells their own story badly. Because they know all the facts. It's like trying to repeat a joke someone else told you. You'll never get it right. But you'll never get your own story wrong. So stories are the most compelling because all people need to tell their own story effectively is the passion and enthusiasm for what they're doing. So I think 
that yes, I think that if people will understand that when you start something, if you'll just embrace your ignorance about all the facts that don't matter anyway, because you've got a support team that knows all of those and you'll learn them in time as a child learns to speak by being in front of it and just, you know, get caught up and be able to tell your own story and learn whatever it is you have to learn with and be able to express it with passion to get people in front of those that already know how to do that. You'll learn all that in time, but you and your team together will be able to share the complete story of which your own experience is your part of that process. And you'll get off to an awesome start. You know, Lisa, you're a very good trainer. And so I'm interested in the, how you teach the listeners here. If someone is like that, right? They, they share the stories, but, but their prospect asks them, they want to know about the pay plan. And you're absolutely right. You can't explain the pay plan in five, 10, 15, even one hour. You can't really explain it really well. What do you recommend distributors to use? Do they use a tool or do you just bring people to meetings? What would you recommend them to do? If like, for example, their best friend keeps on pestering them about the pay plan, but instead they just share the story. So what should they well, present it, with? It's interesting that you should bring that up because first of all, and there, I will start out with a caveat because I always like to be give people the whole information because, you know, I never like to say always or never because then people find the one time you didn't obey your own rule. But let's say as a rule of thumb, to this day, I don't believe in being the expert with your own prospects ever. Not because you can't be, but because you're training somebody from the very minute that you talk to them. And I don't want them to expect that they have to be where you're at. So your job is never to be in that position. If you're, I'll quote Jim Fober, who I consider to be a mentor, and, and, and I think that all success leaves clues. I think that all the people that are, have been successful over time would say this in some form or fashion. If your lips are moving, it's to point, guide, or direct somebody to a third-party source of information that isn't you, to tell a story, your own or someone else's, to introduce a speaker that isn't you or to read something because everybody can do it. So I was never about explaining the comp plan. I built all of my businesses for 25 years asking three questions or let me call them three themes because everybody has to ask, ask questions and, and do things in their own language. So it's comfortable and, and familiar to them. That's why I say I, I teach concepts, not scripts, but basically People's biggest mistake is they think they have to be they think they have to know everything about everything. They have to be incredibly interesting, in other words. When really nobody cares about how interesting you are, because what's everybody's favorite subject, Simon? Themselves across the planet, themselves, of course. So you really need to be interested in other people. So if you go out and you talk to other people with the with being interested in them, with no agenda as to your opportunity at this point, but just being interested in them, eventually the conversation is going to come down to this. And it's, are you happy? And when I ask people, are you happy? I'm not asking them, did you have a cotton candy, zippy doo dot kind of day? It's basically, are you satisfied? Are you content with your life? And most people initially, when asked that question, if you don't take the time to be interested first, they're going to do what society has conditioned them to do, particularly in North America. You call 20 people today and ask, how are you? Regardless of how they are, if you start out with that question, they're going to say, fine. Because we're taught to believe that people really don't care. And people aren't fine. I always say that fine stands for effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Most people are not happy the way things are. So if you talk to them really interested, eventually the facade will drop. And they'll start to tell you that they're not all that fine. They're not all that satisfied. They're not all that happy. 
Um, most people aren't. And notice, I didn't ask the question, do you want more money? Some of the best people that I've ever worked with, myself when I got started, it wasn't a money issue. It was a lack of happy issue because we all felt like slaves to our businesses. Very, you know, a lot of people are so busy sacrificing so their families can have a better life. Their families are busy having a life without them. They've got plenty of money. They hate what they're doing. But most people are not satisfied. So you say, are you happy? Eventually, they're going to say, no, I'm not happy. So the next question is, well, do you have a plan to change that? And you're not asking them if they have a plan because you want to hear their plan. You know they don't have a plan. If they had a plan, they wouldn't be asking you, they wouldn't be talking to you about how unhappy they were. They'd be out working their plan. You're asking them if they have a plan because you want them to connect. You know, I'm not really satisfied. And guess what? I don't really have a plan to change that. Because the next question is, would you like to see one? Hmm. And the follow-up to that is, it's probably not for you, although I'm sure you're going to love the product. But if you do see what I see, maybe together we can do something special. Maybe I think together we can crush it. And then you get people in front of the team. And the team can be the tool or the meeting or the upline, anything that isn't you. And the reason is 80% of new people are introduced by new people. They don't know anything anyway. So if you were, if you don't allow yourself to get in that confrontational situation, it's okay to say to somebody, look, I just got started. I don't know enough about the comp plan to do it justice. And I don't want to give you, I don't want this great opportunity, which possibly could be a key to you, you know, changing your life. I don't want to ruin it by not giving you the best possible information that you can have. And that's not me because I've only been here a week because. Because for people to really believe, hey, I'm with this company that's the greatest company in the industry, the only one with good products, the only one with a big, good pay plan, that's ridiculous in 2015. The industry is coming out of the garage. There are a number of good companies. There are companies that are ridiculous and aren't good, but there are a lot of good companies that all have good pay plans and good products. What, you know what's unique when you pick a company? It's if you want to work with me, then and the great support team, the group of people that I truly believe are going to be able to help me and my family change our lives. The only place that you can get that team of mentorship and where we can work together is this company. And if you want to make a good decision, whatever decision you make for you, yes or no, based on all the information that I was able to make my decision with, I've got to get you in front of this team. And so you can understand what I saw. Make sense? I love it. I love it. You're, you're a really good trainer. And um, by the way, I love the FINE. Thank can you. Can you repeat what FINE stands for? That is really good. F'd up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I love it. And that's so true. And you're right. When you ask people on the street, how are you doing? Everyone says, I'm great. But deep down, no one is really great. You know, Nobody. Nobody. Um, what are some key concepts that you teach? Because I really like the way you teach and share. Uh, you said... You don't really treat. You don't really teach scripts, but you teach concepts. What are some of them? Without going into detail, but if you can list them out. Okay. Um, putting your put your efforts where they're deserved, not where they're needed. I think this is one of the hardest ones for all of us, but I think it's a real key to long term success and to building phenomenal teams. I think that that's important. I think that. It's really important to understand that for people to understand that it is a business. It's not a numbers game. 
people are not numbers, but it is a numbers game. And to understand that we don't want to trip over people on the way to looking for superstars, you need to create an environment that is inclusive of everybody. So if you want to have a long-term, real long-term success that pays you residually, which is what we all talk about, you have to create something that everybody wants to be a part of regardless of how much money they want to make. And it, cause it has to be okay for somebody to realize their dream. If somebody tells me they want to make $400 a month, the grandmother, all she wants to do is make $400 a month so she can buy the grandkids presents without telling grandpa about it. And she's able to do that. That's a success story. And it, it doesn't matter if I think she should want to make $4,000 a month. It doesn't even matter if she can, because if she doesn't want to, that's okay. So if somebody wants to make $10 a month or $100 a month or $10,000 or $100,000, it's okay. We have a place for everybody. What we can't do is let somebody think that a $10 effort is going to yield a $10,000 result, but we can't make somebody feel that there's anything wrong with a $10 effort because a large organization, at the end of the day, we're about building networks of consumers. And the money is made by learning how to become a person who can work through people to people to find other people that can deliver that message without offending people along the way because consumers and consumption long term is what creates the massive revenue that rewards those that can do it well so well. I think you just summed up the key to success in network marketing in one sentence. That, that's, that's a, Thank you. Very good. So Lisa, thanks for sharing about the concepts. Let me go back to uh, your point where you really, I love your attitude. Like you hated the business, but you wouldn't quit because you don't want to prove people right, right? So you wanted to get to the top and then quit. But somewhere along the process, you went from hating the business to em- embracing it and to loving it. What are some things that made that change in attitude that got you, you know, because it's not uh, common. It's when I started to realize you know, back then, I'm going to show you my, uh, you know, I've grown. One day I woke up and I realized that network marketing was the last frontier of, I would have said then the American dream. Today, I call it the global dream. And I began to understand that it really was like nothing I had ever seen. You know, that people could get involved with very little capital investment. Sweat equity really would do it. It didn't require any kind of specific skill set or education or large amount of capital or uh, particular um, educational background or all the things that were so that most people credit being necessary for success. But for me, it was the biggest paradigm shift when I realized that I had never seen anything before that the better you were at teaching other people everything you knew and making them better than you were, if that was possible, the more money you could make. And that was so completely different than anything I'd seen. You know, in traditional business, you might really want to share everything you know with somebody. But by the very nature of the competitiveness of the way that territorial businesses work, it's not possible. If you have an ice cream store and you teach your best friend or or your competitor all of your secrets. What if he opens an ice cream store across the street from you? He could put you out of business. But in network marketing, you want to teach people everything you know and then some. You, you know, you start out believing that you want to get on the stage and you want to be the stage person. And of course, that's normal and that's good and that drives you and that's motivating. But you start to realize you want to get on the stage as fast as you can and you want to get off of it even quicker and get all the people that you're helping, sponsoring, mentoring, um, you know, pushing 
and, and, and inspiring on the stage. And you want them to get people on the stage. And you hope that you never get on the stage again because everybody that you've helped put on the stage is so much better than you that you're not good enough anymore. Because if you can make that happen, you're making more money. And where is that? where else in the world is that possible? And I got hooked on that. And you start to have people that you've never met come up to you and say that something you said, something you saw in a video, something they heard about you inspired them or changed their life. And it's the most addictive thing that will ever happen, much more so than the money, which after a fashion is not important anymore, or cars that you can buy. The idea that you can really start a global empire from a spare bedroom in your home today from a smartphone in your hand and that you can have this ripple effect go around the world and that it's real. It's just, I fell in love with that concept, that reality that that became a reality for me. What would you uh, consider to be your proudest moment in network marketing? Oh God, I've had so many Things happened to me in the space that I never imagined would happen. Um, I don't know. Some of the people that I've gotten to speak on stage with, you know, that I've shared the stage with, being involved from, I think being involved early on with Eric's Rory's dream of Network Marketing Pro. We've been friends for over 20 years, and I got I was at, spoke at the very first Network Marketing Pro Recruiting Mastery along with uh, Jim Fobear and Richard Brooke, and there were 200 people in that room. And the one we just completed last November, my partner actually was the MC for the second year. There were 8,000 people in that room and another, I can't imagine how many thousand via live stream. And this coming year, there were, there's going to be one in Vegas as well as one in in Europe and, and getting to be there from the very beginning and, and the people that that's enabled me to be on the stage with and, and the invitations that I get, even now, you know, sitting in Hong Kong. And I think being one of the first people to be able to go and live overseas and, and, and have been, have made, have been a small contributor to all the young companies, you know, the non 40 year old giants that are coming around the world today, because we were two of the first people to come over here in 2004 and be based in Asia on this side of the world and open up the People's Republic of China. But even now, being a person that somebody like you will seek out to do an interview like this, I would have never dreamed that that would have happened for me in my lifetime. And I don't think without, with, you know, without network marketing, it would have. You know, being recognized as some sort of thought leader, and I, and I don't get that. You know, I, I'm thrilled. I love the fact that I can help and maybe make a contribution and help people look at things in a different way. But all of it is just amazing to me. Yeah, it's really amazing. The it's really exciting the way the industry. And I remember that first event where it's two hundred people. Actually, that's where I first heard about you, Lisa, when you spoke there. Uh, and to see how it's grown, I think, I think people just realize that the you know times have changed, and the traditional nine to five, go to school and get a job doesn't work anymore. And people, would you agree with me? Like, it seems like people are way more open now than it was twenty, thirty years ago to something like that. We're marketing. You know, I think they are. But I think it's all relative because I think that the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think that technology changes, human nature doesn't. I think that the I think that network marketing was the original social network. And I think because of social media and because of the younger generation being so much more comfortable communicating with people that they don't know, 
you know, when if you talk to people my age, their most thing they're most uncomfortable with is they don't know how to talk to people. They're afraid to talk to people that they know. They're afraid to talk to their friends, etc. If you talk to my daughter's generation, that's not the fear. Because there's so much the Facebook generation and the Twitter generation, they're very comfortable communicating in ways that we weren't. So I think that a lot of that has pushed its way into network marketing. So I think that people are more open in general to the entrepreneurial spirit than they were 25 years ago. I think people are really coming into their own realizing that that the model of letting somebody else determine what your worth is or letting your future be vested in someone else's hands is probably not all that it was cracked up to be. Hmm. So I think people are going back to where they started. I think if you go back, before, you know, 200 years, 250 years, people were entrepreneurs back then too. And then somewhere along the line, we all became convinced that we were supposed to go work, you know, for factories or get these jobs and all the rest of it. And I think that the age of meritocracy and striking out on your own is being is coming back into its own in an age of tech where technology and globalization and the world becoming so much smaller and barriers breaking down that people are just seeing possibilities everywhere and network marketing has been around for 60 years so it's like the newest old game in town yeah you know um moving on lisa the leaders like yourself have a certain tenacity, a total different mindset or called inner game, right? And so, of course, during your journey, not, not everything's smooth. There's been a lot of bumps and bruises. Take us back to one of your worst moments <laughs> in network marketing and how did you overcome that challenge? Maybe it was, maybe it was oh, the time you wanted to quit God, or there disaster. Many. Um, let's see. I came over here. I was over here, based over here. We had all started a company, the little engine that could, in about 2000. One, actually, and um, took off like a bandit. And then 9-11 happened. And then we, instead of going to Europe, which a lot of companies were doing that direction, we headed toward Asia. And in 2004, we came over for a couple of weeks to deal with some issues we had in the Hong Kong, China market. Ended up staying over here, commuting, being based over here all the way till 2008. And that company was magical. We went around the world. It was a magical team. It was a magical moment. And the company went public, which back in those days, the guys that owned it, were they were young. And it seemed, it's like the dream come true. You know, public companies go public. You know how glamorous all that sounds. And the public world is a different world than the entrepreneurial world. And it changed the company. And the company is still around today and doing very well. And I'm happy for them. But it wasn't the company that we all started, the happy gang that started like, you know, all working together. I remember days when we picked and packed the products by night and we were working like crazy. And it was one day waking up and realizing that it wasn't the company that we that we all started. And slowly but surely, all the founders and all the people that were there, myself included, it just was the realization that we weren't, it wasn't, our careers weren't going to end there. You know, you start something and you've got a vision. It's the last thing you'll ever do. And it starts to go down a path that may be glorious and grand, but it's not your path anymore. You just start to not recognize it. It's, it's a company that's going to make a lot of money, but it's just a company. You know, it's not what you thought it was. So I think that at that point I thought, 
that I probably would never do this again. It was morally the most glorious point in my career because that was a Star Trekking company. It was the first. It was the first to go around the world with a single comp plan and a single product line uh, that was a modern company, you know, not one of the older transfer companies from 40 years older or something. And um, so I thought I'd been there, done that, got the T-shirt. So we did a lot of helping, consulting, you know, helped start some others, built some groups, but never thought that I would really ever feel that way again. So that was a, a heartbreaking moment. You know, it was a, didn't want to have the Michael Jackson thriller syndrome where you're always chasing what you had in the past. But as you said, technology moves forward, the industry changes and you wait long enough. And the next opportunity to Star Trek, what's never been done before, comes along. And here I am sitting in Asia working on a the next you know generation model version of it again. So we'll see. So here I am excited and thrilled again, but that was a heartbreaking moment. And the way that I dealt with it was to realize that you can't recreate if you chase, it's like first love. If you spend your whole life trying to recapture what you had with your first love, you may never find your greatest love. But if you can look at each experience, each new experience for what can this experience teach me and how can this be new and wondrous and not compare it to the last then you can have great, wonderful things. And in the last two years, I have had the wonderful experience of dealing with world-class people. That's my new aha moment. If you want to have the greatest experiences of your life, the greatest career, the greatest growth, you spend your time as much as you can with world-class people. And everyone is world-class at something. And I think that when you realize what you're world-class at and you get away from that ancient thinking where, you know, when you're in school, they say, work on your weaknesses. You know, you're good at this. You have to work on this because you're not good at it. And that's a crock. You need to work on what you're great at and find other people that complement the things that you're not so good at and collaborate versus compete and build great teams of collaborative teams that together are world-class teams because everybody's identified with the world-class at and nobody's petty. And when you do that, marvelous things happen. And I think that's been the greatest realization of the last couple of years. And that's why I tell people all the time, I don't know if the last couple of years have been the most profitable. My husband would have to tell me that because he manages that while I go around the world and have fun, but they've definitely been the most joyful. And I would have never thought that was possible. I love it. You know, Lisa, you just summed up what MLM leadership is about. Leadership, work on your strengths and surround yourself with people who compliment you and deal with the weaknesses. Thank you for sharing that. It's really good. Now, I have to ask you this because I think I find it really fascinating. You live in Hong Kong because I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, but my parents are from Hong Kong. And even before I had kids, I used to go to Hong Kong like twice a year to visit. So what brought you out there and uh, how long have you been living there? And obviously you love it since you're out there, right? Well, yeah, actually, I came here originally in 2004 to deal with a huge problem with a company that we were working with at that time. We didn't even, we weren't even aware that the company had gone into the mainland. We thought we were only open in Hong Kong and I was over here doing an event and it was uh, right before I was here at the end of March and I went back to the States and there was a problem percolating. We thought we dealt with, I landed and came back three days later to deal with the problem and didn't touch back in the United States for five months. 
And in order to deal with that problem, it became apparent that we were going to have to be based on the ground. So I commuted back and forth from 2004 to almost uh, 2008. And in the process of doing that, ended up opening most of Northern Asia. Never made it to Southeast Asia at that particular juncture. And then went back into the States in 2008 and have been back in Asia many times since, developing teams with um, the company we went on to later with the same team after we left that publicly traded one. But still was probably based in the United States. Our income was relatively passive because it doesn't really, in that secondary company, it didn't really belong to us. Our leaders are phenomenal and it was really their business and we supported it. And it was primarily based in the mainland of China, uh, Vietnam and Thailand. But that original team that we worked with years ago, Curtis and I, Curtis had been the president of a company. I had been um, a top distributor there. Terry LaCour had been the founder and CEO. As I said, we're all kind of Star Trekkers. And a while back, Curtis and I had been in Europe helping some companies there and doing helping working with some teams. And we do. We work with teams all over the industry and kind of share and just have fun. You know, Terry had been going back and forth. He'd had some ideas about some things and Curtis had it. He basically made a call and said, what would you think about getting the band back together again? And we had an idea for a company Terry did because he has a whole operation over here and really a company that is, will eventually go around the world, I think, but it's starting with a greater China footprint. So we came over here to help launch a new company that is starting in the greater China markets, Hong Kong, Macau, Taiwan, uh, will eventually, I'm sure, expand out to Singapore, Malaysia over time. And that's what's brought me back. So I, I left the United States on New Year's Eve. I landed on the 1st of January and have been here since. I'll be back in the States April 22nd for a month and then back here. And I would imagine for the next, you know, two to two and a half years, we'll be back a lot and a lot of speaking, a lot of stuff in the States, obviously. But I think we'll be based in Asia again for a while. That's so that's exciting. It's very exciting. It's wonderful. And, I, and with technology now, you can, you know, you can basically live anywhere. And I mean, we're doing this interview on Skype and uh, I'm in L.A. and you're in Hong Kong. It's just fascinating. Yeah. And, and I really love that's one of the things I love about today uh, versus 10 years ago. And I think that a lot of people don't appreciate all that is possible because of technology today. I think that a lot of people get caught up in it, you know, old school, new school. And I don't think. That I think that's ridiculous. I think that there are things that work and things that don't because I think people are people and it's all about relationships. <laughs> I think that if the messaging is correct, technology gives you the ability for no money today to have wider reach more effectively, more efficiently around the world. And if obviously if the messaging is wrong, you can fail in technical or in front of a larger audience more quickly. But you can really be based anywhere you need to be based today to get the the things up and running and where you have to have physical presence, but you can operate and run businesses and work with teams and drive teams. And so, you know, using technology and then solidify it by personal appearance and have your base anywhere in the world that it needs to be at any given moment. And I think that that's overwhelming in many ways, but if you just break it down to its simplicity, it's amazing you know, how far we can reach and what you can do. Like you said, seven o'clock in the morning where you are, 11 o'clock at night where I am, opposite ends of the world. And here we are. And who knows by when this goes up, how many people will listen to it and how many parts of the world?
Yes, definitely. You know, at least you have so much wisdom. I feel like I can talk to you for hours and hours, but we'll get into the 40, almost 44 minute mark. So we have to wrap it up. Okay. So some really quick questions. Um, what's one habit that's helped you become successful? Uh, vision, I think. And I don't mean vision in an esoteric sense. I think the biggest challenge, if I had to break it down with people not getting what they want, is realizing that we don't get what we want, we get what we picture. And I think that I have an ability to really see where I'm going. And when I don't, I'm okay with that. I don't, I've learned to not force it. I'm patient with the universe. If it's not clear to me, I'm okay because I believe that if you keep talking to people, that the picture will become clear. And I tend not to move until it does, unless circumstances are such that you have to. And a lot of times people act as if they have to when they don't. What's the best piece of advice you ever got? The best piece of advice I ever got was it is better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I love that. What's your favorite success quote? My favorite success quote, I am a big fan of um, Eleanor Roosevelt. And so I never, I'm always going back and forth between her quotes, but I will say that my favorite success quote, I like the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. And I think that's very highbrow, but I think my favorite quote, as far as what somebody can learn something from is that great minds discuss ideas Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. So I try to always be talking about ideas. <laughs> Don't always succeed, but I try to aspire to that. I love that. And I'm going to write that down. And by the way, every the ML Nation, you can go to mlnation.net. Just type in Lisa, and then her show notes, her quotes, her contact info will pop right up. Uh, do you have a favorite prospecting tool you use, like a newsletter? Do you webinar or online videos? What do you use, Lisa? Actually, as I said, I, we talked about earlier, my favorite prospecting tool is, is those three questions. But if I had to talk about technology, I personally believe today that video is probably the thing that most people are going to have the most success with because it's the most accessible. Great. Do you have a favorite app you use or like an online resource, like a Dropbox or Gmail you could recommend? I think Hangouts are great. I think Skype is great because I think it enables you to be sitting with somebody face-to-face -face without actually having to be there. But I will tell you, um, I like, don't laugh, I like Good Think Inc., Sean Anker's website. I think that there's a million ways to learn how to do something. And I think a lot of people get caught up in thinking that what they are, their problem is they don't know how to do something. And there's learning how to do something simple. You can go onto Google and learn how to do anything by any expert for free at any given point in time. You can go to the bookstore and find 10,000 how to do anything books written by 10,000 experts, and they'll all give you a cookie cutter recipe that will enable you to do anything. But I think where most people need to work and where I find I need to work is the way we look at things and the way we think. So I tend to yield, tend to work and introduce people to things that maybe will help them clarify their thinking or look at things in different ways. Because I think if you want better answers 
better results, you need to ask better questions or look at things from a different perspective. Because there's always a recipe you can follow to do something and get a better result. The question isn't how to do it. It's why aren't we following the recipe that we know will get us the result. What's one book you could recommend to ML Nation? Okay, you're going to get mad when I tell you my favorite books. <laughs> but um, if you want a book on network marketing, I think that the book that Eric Worre has written, Network Marketing Pro, is without exception the new standard, and I think it is going to be the standard for quite some time to come. It's simple, it's to the point, it's easy to follow, it's effective. And I think that for a network marketing specific book, it isn't a class all by itself. And I think that's why it's so, you know, it's been a runaway bestseller now for almost two years. But as far as the book that I think is my favorite book just for the entrepreneur, um, Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. I love it. Simple. I love it. Simple but deep and profound. And ML Nation, I know you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get amazing free audiobook at MLMNationBook.com. That's MLMNationBook.com. And now for the last question, the million-dollar question. Before we go to the million-dollar question, if you're an ambitious distributor who's ready to take your business to the next level, go become an MLM Nation Insider. Just go to MLMNationInsider.com and you can join a select group of distributors who meet every week to discuss what's working in the MLM profession. As an insider, you also get a weekly live MLM training that you can participate on a webinar or through the phone. Online access to an entire archive training library. A mission into a private Facebook group where you can network with other motivated and successful distributors from all around the world. The opportunity to ask questions to one of the top MOM trainers. And you also receive a monthly newsletter with the latest tips and online marketing strategies mailed directly to your door. Interested? Simply go to MLMNationInsider.com to learn more. Now let's get back to the show and to the million-dollar question. Lisa, imagine you were forced to start all over again and you knew no one, but you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing you would do to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? I don't know anybody. So basically, I've been dropped out of a, a play and it appears into like Des Moines, Iowa or something. Yeah, exactly. In Des Moines, Iowa. You know no one. What's the first thing you do to find prospects? I would go somewhere. There's a lot of people, mall, grocery store, library. It really wouldn't matter. But I would go somewhere and I would start smiling at people. I would ask them how they are and I would start being very interested in them. And I would just ask a lot of questions and I would let people talk about themselves. Because I think that people walk around with a very full bucket. It's full of frustrations and things that didn't work out and anxiety and dreams and, you know, misspent dreams. So I think no matter what you've got, no matter what solutions you have, because in the end, we really are, you know, people that are problem solvers and people that have solutions. If their bucket's full, they're not ready. No matter how good you, no matter how good the stuff you have to put in their bucket, there's no room for it. But if you'll just talk to people, be genuinely interested, listen, let them empty that bucket, they're going to be, then they're all of a sudden very receptive to what you have to say and you can fill the bucket up. So I would just start asking. And surprisingly enough, if you're really, truly interested in people 
and you're asking them about their favorite subject, which is them, they're not strangers anymore. They think you're the most interesting person they've ever met because you're genuinely caring about them. So that's what I do. Awesome. As we wrap up, do you have any last words of advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect with you, Lisa? Um, actually, I, I will, someday, one day, I'm going to have a list and all of that. But right now, I'm a techno idiot. But Facebook, you can follow me on my profile. You can become a fan of my fan page. And you can private message me. I return all my messages. I respond to everybody. Sometimes it takes you about 24 hours. But if I can help anybody, feel free to reach out. If I can help in any way, I'm happy to do that. My best advice, people tend to overestimate what they can do in a month. They tend to underestimate what they can do in a year. And because of it, they tend to have the same awful month over and over again. Give yourself time to... And give yourself a break and set realistic expectations. Forget the goals. Have huge, lofty goals. But if you manage your expectations and you manage the expectations of others and you don't you know, try to conquer the world in 30 days and you give yourself a year but you have a plan for that year, uh, you'll be amazed at what you can do. Because my experience is that... Uh, if you'll just keep moving forward, you win the race because you'll out, you'll outlast everybody else. My One of my partner's favorite quotes, and I think this sums up network marketing, comes from Babe Ruth, and it says, you can't beat the guy that just won't quit. ML Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today you've been hanging out with Lisa Grossman. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Lisa at the search bar and all the show notes will pop right up. In order to be successful in MLM, you must help others. So Lisa, thank you again for setting such a great example. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a privilege and an honor, and, and I love doing it, and anything I can ever do to help. And Simon, thank you for doing what you're doing and for taking the time to provide the service and this content and bring all these great leaders to all these people that are looking for help, I really appreciate the contribution and the service that you're doing for the space and the profession. You're welcome, Lisa. It's been a blast, and uh, good luck, and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for joining us on MLM Nation today. If you like what you learned from Lisa Grossman, please let her know. Just go to the show notes page on mlnation.net and search for Lisa, and the show notes will pop right up. And if you go to the bottom, her contact info will be there, and make sure you thank her. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes because that's the best way to keep these trainings coming to your phone automatically. If you, don't, if, you, if you don't use Apple, you can subscribe on Stitcher on the Android. If you don't use Apple, you can simply subscribe using Android. And if you want to help others and make an impact, please tell your friends about the show, share it on social media, tweet about it, uh, post about it, and uh, so you can have a positive impact on someone's life. Also, please leave an honest review for MLM Nation Podcast on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are extremely important. Let me know what you like or don't like about the show because I read every one of those reviews and they help the show get better and inspires me to keep producing this great content for you. So that's our show for today. Thanks again to Lisa Grossman. Thank you for being part of MLM Nation. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. 
Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.